we go. We're on. Okay. Welcome to the Agile Pubcast. Today we're in the Ox in Cheltenham. What are you drinking, Paul? Today, Jeff, I have a bottle of Orchard Pig Reveler, which is a medium cider. What's it like? It's all right. Nice. It's very nice, actually. Okay. I've got a little glass. Yeah, very, very good. I've got, uh, I've got an interesting beer from the Wild Beer Company called Sleeping Lemons, which is uh, a sour, salty, fruity beer. A ghost beer, apparently. It's a bit like a German wheat beer. We should, nice. we should probably point out, Jeff, at this time that we are in no way alcoholics. No, no, no. no just the one. <laughs> um, even despite the fact that we generally don't drink to excess when we're doing these things, it's no, just no. a single pint. Cheers. Cheers. Um, so, what's uh, what's going on with you, Jeff? What's what's the news? Um, it's been a it's been a very coach focused week, a coaching week. Well, coach focused. So, um, I've been to a, a professional coaching conference. So, you know, I'm a member of the ICF, the International yeah. Coach Federation. They had their annual conference recently. Uh, and it's nice to see that there were a couple of other Agile people there, not many, but a couple. Right. Two, in fact, others. <laughs> so um, that's 1%, maybe. <laughs> but uh, probably better than last year, when there was only one or two. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, that was um, nice, to, nice to look at coaching again. Not Where was the, that? That was, was, that was uh, near the Excel arena. Um, oh, okay. So yeah, the, it's called the, the Crystal. Right. It's um, a building, sustainable. Yeah, it's interesting. It was quite a nice place. Nice day as well, actually. Um, so, yeah, looking at complexity and interconnectedness. Um, professional coaching challenges, like coaching people who derail you, uh, and a little bit more theoretical models such as transactional analysis and things like that. It was, uh, no, it's always good to get to get to go and just learn and refresh and nourish yourself. Yeah, you feel you can learn. There's a lot more to learn from that, uh, from a purely an external viewpoint on coaching, agnostic of, of agility and all this type of stuff as well. well I think so. I think so. And there's, you know, there's, um, I, I've got strong views on on that, and that's something that we talk, talked about at uh, local user group recently as well. The fact that. In the Agile space, the Agile coaches, the vast majority of Agile coaches don't have any kind of professional coaching background or skills or even support, no, no real support network. Um, well, yeah, I'm, a, I'm a, of a similar belief that, um, well, we both spoke a lot about this, that I think there's a whole lot, whole myriad of information and knowledge that we can gain from outside of our own industry. Mm. And a lot of the stuff I t take not more interest in, but certainly a different level of interest in, is from the world of sports or entertainment or you know public relations or you know the media, whatever that might be. But it's, I think there's a whole load of stuff that we can learn from how other people do their jobs. Mm. Yeah, I mean the agile community has been very. Internally focused is the best phrase that I can come up with off the top of my head. But I'm thinking, you know, when you go to an agile conference, it's it's very much IT focused still. Even even not product focused, it's it's still software, software, software. Um, and you know, the idea of coaching servant leadership 
or the adoption of self-organisation through a coaching style doesn't seem to doesn't seem to be something that the, the companies, organisations like the Scrum Alliance are actually encouraging. It seems to be selling a consultancy approach yeah. to a coaching model, which yeah. just seems a bit weird. Well, even the term <coughs> agile coach, that's a whole can of worms, isn't it? Is mm. that if you search the job sites and the people that advertise it for agile coaches, they're not really advertising for agile coaches. No. They're either advertising for what we're probably more likely to call a scrum master maybe, or maybe even a, a project manager in, a, in agile clothing. Um, but it's, it's not, it's not real it, coaching. No, I think it's, it's seen almost like a, a promotion, like the, the, the next step yeah. in terms of your career, not necessarily the skill set to support the transformation or support the teams or the scrum masters. It's uh, okay. Well, if I've if I've been doing this for a while, I need to I need to get to another level and need to look good on on LinkedIn or whatever. So I, I, that's what I need yeah. to be called now. So how how would an agile coach, in your mind, how would an agile coach be different from say, an agile consultant? What's the difference? Well, the for me, a consultant is provides a valuable service in terms of this is information. If you want, if you want to almost farm out the responsibility if you like, then uh, yeah. get someone who, who's done it before uh, to come in and do something, maybe that's your approach. But the Agile Coach, for me, should be about developing the, the capability within. Um, they shouldn't be doing, they, should be, they shouldn't be telling, they should be enabling. I think it's, to me, I haven't really got this solidified in my mind yet, but it seems to me to be doing the same kind of thing that a Scrum Master does but for the Scrum Master community. Um, they, they, they are the Agile change agents alongside those, those Scrum Masters. And that, you know, so I was talking to someone about it yesterday, someone who is a Scrum Master, and um, they have Agile coaches in their organization. And I was asking them, well, how do they see this role? How do they use Agile coaches? Uh, and she said, you know, when I've got a problem that I can't solve, then I will go and ask for help, and I, they'll, they'll talk it through with me. And, uh, sort of help me challenge my assumptions and that kind of, for want of a better phrase, borrowing a term from another industry, supervision, uh, coaching supervision within. But then that takes the whole word of agile out altogether. That's just being a coach or being a supervisor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that. Coming back to that, that ICF conference that was out last week, we had a room full of professional coaches and the keynote speaker there was, was effectively saying, in his experience, the best coaches are the ones that, that do provide guidance and quite a few people believe them. the ICF don't, in their definition of a coach, they're quite explicit and the coach doesn't provide advice, they don't provide counselling, they don't provide guidance, they, they're simply there to facilitate that realisation and that reflection process within the people they're coaching um, but they do have that that coaching of the coaches built in to the profession as well which I don't think the agile community does no there's not many agile coaches by title that would confess to having genuine coaching background or, or educational you know or learning no experience <coughs> I, mean, I tested this at the, the the meetup group that I was at recently where I think it was about 70 people there maybe yeah um, and you know, I asked them how many of them are, are agile coaches or scrum masters and I think I, mean, I didn't count but it looked like about 50 out of 70 
Right, definitely more than the majority. No, definitely more than half. And I said, okay, keep your hands up if you've if you've got professional coach training. And all, all but four hands went down. So out of those 70 people, 50 of them were in a role that has a coaching element to it, explicitly, but only four of them had professional coaching skills. And of those, you know, they're, they're not even aware of the most basic coaching model. No. Um, so they're doing this without, they're doing it with half, half the skill set, effectively. Yeah. But I think, to, to an extent, the organisations, whichever the organisations they are, aren't really looking for coaches. No. Why not? I think, I think, well, I still think organisations generally are looking for someone who can come in and tell them how to solve the problem. And a lot of coaches are very good at Coaches are wrong, we're in the wrong word. A lot of people are good at doing that. It's very easy to sell that, saying I've done it here so it must work this way. Or I've been trained in this particular certification so therefore I, I can tell you how to do it. Yeah. But that's still very much what's being advertised and almost recruited into, into organisations that are looking for solutions. They are looking to farm out this, the, the ownership of the solution. I want my company to become more agile. I'll pay you to do this. Mm. Take it on. Take take the responsibility. Mm. And that's not for me what an agile coach is. That's a consultant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's something that I I get a bit worked up about at times because it just seems a little hypocritical. Um, to be trying to roll out a way of working that's built on enablement, facilitation, coaching, without actually having that coaching mindset built into it, it just doesn't seem right. You know, you got with, and, and these these are the good guys, the people who turn up to these meetup groups. They want to develop. Themselves. Oh yeah, they, they're, they're, they've got the best guys. intentions. Yeah, but they 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 don't have that support network. They don't have the structure. To enable them to actually put their money where their mouth is. So what, what in your mind, what would they, what does that support structure look like for? Say I'm, I'm a new agile coach. I've been, you know, I want to get into the being what a real agile coach is all about. What do they need? What's, what's missing? Um, interestingly, so I, I was, this person I was talking to, and she does have this sort of support network there within her organisation. Um, and agile coaches do seem to be providing that that direct help and facilitation of, of her in her role. Um, when I was asking her, give me an example of what was difficult at work and why that was difficult. The team was seeing her as the fixer, and she sees her, herself as the fixer of, of a team problem. And that's quite a common thing, you know, especially when scrum masters come from a project management background where they're trained and expected to be a problem solver. And actually stepping back and, and not solving the problem for the team is probably a big challenge. Yeah. And the, the best way of, well, not necessarily the best way, but certainly a big part of that is being, first of all, being aware that that is something that you're drawn to. Yeah, it's that self-awareness of this is this is something that I like doing. This is something that I do. If I if I'm not conscious of it, this is something that I, I will do. And then working out how they can not only just become more aware of it, but start the process of trying something new, a new way of solving it. So stepping back and facilitating the team, asking the team the right questions, and then waiting 
giving them the space to step up. Yeah. And so that for me, the Agile coach is, is there to provide that reflective service for the person who's coaching the team. They are the coach of the coaches, mm. to me. They're almost, yeah, en enabling other coaches or scrum masters in the organisation to be better at their job. Yeah. I mean, we were speculating, and I asked, asked a few people what, what they think you know, the Agile coach role is, and I, I, don't, I don't know what the right answer is, um, but I was speculating as to whether, well, is it, is it something that's emerged because the Scrum Masters that we have in place aren't very good, and so they aren't actually being effective in their role, and so organisations have found they've needed someone else another role. Is it that actually, it's not that Scrum Masters aren't doing a good job, but maybe it's too big a job for one person. So being the, the change agent of the team and the change agent of the organisation, which is what the Scrum Guide would say Scrum Master is, is that just too much for one person? And so they split the role and the, the Scrum Master and the Agile Coach are a team, but looking at different angles maybe. Maybe that's why that's emerged. Um, but there is this bigger, even in the Scrum Alliance definition of the two roles, Mm. There's overlap. Yeah. There, there are responsibilities that both, as far as the clients are concerned. I don't think anyone really knows. I don't no. think anyone's really sat, and I think it's very much context, contextual that depending on where you are, the, the circles you move in, you've probably got a very different interpretation. A lot, the, a lot of scrum masters that we know and, and have worked with are still very much hands on technical people yeah. and their primary kind of talent and interest and responsibility is still very much technically supporting their teams and, and, and writing building software or, or at least creating software whereas we both came from the uh, <laughs> the camp where where we weren't great developers mm -hmm. we'll be honest and so we saw our skills lay in different areas perhaps from all around facilitation of people that could do a good job so I don't think that the Scrum Master role is really well defined enough, or it's it's certainly not from a coaching angle. I, I kind of think that the Agile coach role has risen because it's more it's you know it's more attractive. If I'm if I'm someone who's not in a Scrum team, I can still be part of an Agile organisation. Yeah, and it makes me more of a maybe from a and more of a contractual point of view that I'm not, I don't have to be devoted to one scrum team, but I can still be an agile person within the organisation. Yeah. But I think it's, I think you're also right that to a degree, if you've got effective scrum masters who are almost coaching each other and and, and using this kind of evolutionary approach to transformation, would there really be the need? Yeah, I think you still need that kind of sounding board, maybe a completely external viewpoint. Yeah. Well, not even a viewpoint, just a, something to bounce your own ideas off. But I don't. I think the word. I think the word. If the two words agile coach are put together, I think there's more of a capital, or it's written in bold font, the agile bit rather than mm. the coach bit. I think that's always been the way. Yeah. Yeah. And I had an um, interesting a challenge, I suppose, to to my thinking the other day where someone said, well the coaching approach is okay you know, letting the client work out their own objectives and, and you know, don't have your own agenda let the client follow the client's agenda and that's fine but what if they're wrong or what if there is a right way to do it and they're not finding the right way there's a lot of yeah. waste, potential waste there 
Um, and I, I guess that's where, to me, I come back to that consultant versus coach thing. If there is a right way, then you know a, con a consultant can rightly come in and say, this is this is the right way to do it. We've got empirical evidence that this is the right way. We're going to follow this way. This is why we're going to do it. And I'm going to teach you how to do that. Um, the coach wouldn't, and that was highlighted to me. I had a friend though come over from from Australia, I'd seen him yeah. for, for a few years, and uh, he's he's got dragged into coaching his son's cricket team, just like I've been dragged into coaching my son's cricket team. And we were talking about um, we were talking about sport last few, couple of weeks ago. We, yeah, we were talking about um, this. Interestingly, how Australians coach cricket compared to how English right. coach cricket. So he coached cricket in England and then went to Australia and was was taught to coach differently. Um, and so it's a big interesting difference so rather than in England where kids are taught this is the right way to play the shot so the, the mechanics of it you know put your front yeah. foot forward this is how to distribute your weight this is how you know your elbow should be at this height and this kind of thing so the, the Australian style is I want you to hit the ball over there okay and I'm going to throw 50 balls at you and you're going to try and hit all of them over there mm. right and then we're going to look at the ones that you did manage to hit over there and what was in common about those and we're going to look at the ones that you didn't manage to hit over there and what was in common about what was in common about those and they've kind of taken the approach that there isn't one right way to hit a cricket ball um, and so you're going to have to find your own way rather than this is the right way learn it mm. Uh, and to be honest, I don't know if there is a right way to find a wrong way to hit a cricket ball. I guess they don't either. Um, but the Australian way is taking more of that. You can look at it and say, well, there's a lot of waste there because there's not going to be a lot of bad shots. Yeah. Uh, and maybe someone will never find the perfect technique. But is, if there is a perfect technique, then that's probably the wrong way to do it. But if there isn't the perfect technique, then maybe that's the right way to do it. And I don't know. I personally, I think teamwork, building software, whatever it is you're doing with your scrum teams is bound to be a lot more complex than hitting a, an off drive in yeah. the and so the chances of there being the perfect right way to do it to me at least yeah. seem lower and if, if, it's, if that approach is working in cricket which you could argue with the Australian team they're pretty good yeah. does work then it's got to be got to have a chance yeah, I, I think that's. It comes back to this Kinefin model as well, doesn't it? That you're trying to. If you tried to apply best practice, those two the, the evil words in terms of. It's almost like leaning, trying to standardise an approach and standardise. This is how we're all going to work together. Um, which reminds me. Back to the BT days. Do you remember how we were told originally? Um, how to coach a retrospective. How to coach a retrospective. Or how to facilitate a retrospective. Just the four questions you yeah. have to ask every time. And as a result, we made people hate retrospectives. Yeah, yeah. Because we probably co well to told or, or lectured or coached hundreds of people that there was only one way to run mm. a retrospective. And as a result, they became very predictable and people just stopped doing getting any type of value from them altogether. Well that came from that came from the consultants as well. Exactly. Yeah. So we were told that this, this is, is the, best this is the way that you run a retrospective yeah. and we took it as read. Yeah. And did the same thing over and over and over and over again. Mm. And it lost its effect. Some people, some teams naturally ask themselves the question, is there a better way? But the vast majority didn't, did they? they no. They, they, without that reflective process or, or reflective element that a coach can provide, a proper coach rather than a consultant. But if you remember at the time, 
I'm pretty sure when those guys came in to BT mm. to, te- to, to help us, mm. I'm pretty sure they had the title consultant rather than coach, I think, from memory. Probably. And it was very much, they were very much doing in their doing rather yeah, than yeah. helping us. They were do modelling. It. Yes. And saying, right, this is how you're going to do it, watch me, copy me. Exactly, yeah, do what I do. Yeah. And that's a different, again, that's not really a coaching. Well, is it a coaching style? Or is it a more of a, it's more of a consultative approach? Oh. Some people would say that. Take, the, take the, t- the sports coach, the tennis coach idea. Mm. Do you, do, does a, a, um, a player copy the coach? A coach wouldn't necessarily be someone that can outskill their, no. their player. So they can might point out or help them reflect, but it's up to that player to mm. make, make the choices and make it a better shot or stroke or whatever that might be. Yeah, I guess you'd say that they would have enough domain knowledge to be able to notice when things weren't quite right. And, and play that back because uh, if you don't if you're not aware of what you're doing and your coach isn't aware of what you're doing is wrong no. basically you're just saying something's not right here yeah <laughs> let's, not right. let's try something else but you could short circuit that I suppose if you know. but saying that we've known and trained some very very good scrum masters who have not come from the world of software at all no, or the world of agile development at all but had a natural instinct to help people understand yeah. what they're doing better. That's an interesting point actually because I had uh, an email from someone that I trained quite a while ago and he had he was a teacher and right. he decided that he was going to move from the teaching profession into uh, the world of business um, and so initially started looking at the project management route came across the Scrum Master route quite quickly Yeah, liked the look of it paid for himself to come on a, on, a, on a CSM class and out of all the people in the room he stood out to me as someone who had some really good instincts you know yeah. he was just thinking about things in the right kind of way yeah. by default <clears throat> and um, you know, I had an email from him a while ago which said you know I'm, I'm looking to get a bit more work experience happy to you know work for nothing mm. just to learn the role you know, yeah. can you find me somewhere so I put him in touch with company that I knew had been doing Agile for a while and they gave him a, a couple of months uh, working alongside other people, just yeah. dipping his toe in the water and yeah, they were really I got really, really impressed but he, he emailed me again saying I'm really struggling to get an interview, you know, I'm, I'm applying for these really? master jobs but the first thing that people are looking for is, is experience and I, I don't have that experience and getting in the door, I think people would seems like organisation would much rather have somebody who's had 10 years of project management, traditional waterfall project management experience, yes. than somebody who's a really instinctively a great scrum master, but coming it's not, from a different environment. Those are skills that are very hard to read on a CV. But, you know, yeah. The skills that we need, or that an organisation needs, you can have all the, uh, delivered all the projects under the sun, but you can't really read a so, you know, people's personalities from a, from a CV, mm. which is... Until you actually get them into the you know, get them in the door, mm. um, but we yeah we've trained. So I remember uh, one lady that came on a course that we ran together. She was or she she emailed us saying she was she used to run a restaurant. Do you remember that? Yeah. And she said, "Can I do this stuff?" But when she actually turned up, she had she's a, a natural just from running 
running a team in a completely different organisation, but there was so much that she did that was that was instinctively right. Yeah. So yeah, there's a huge amount to learn from how you've applied your style in, in, in a different industry altogether. Hmm. From from the outside, and that that is pretty much where I am. It's so frustrating knowing that there are really good scrum masters out there who can't get a look get at a it. job here. And those that are quite a lot of people in the role who haven't got those skills, those those natural instincts, no. um, and are fighting the good fight without that kind of support, and then even more that a <coughs> project managers in disguise. Yeah, yeah. I do know a lot of a lot of project managers that have adjusted, or at least that was always the dominant part of their role that they saw themselves much more of a. You know, facilitator rather than a manager, and they yeah. just repositioned that. The, the scrum framework was a great opportunity for them just to do what came more naturally to them. But equally, for every one of those I've seen, there's been someone else who's completely taken the scrum framework the wrong way mm -hmm. and micromanaged the hell out of their, the people in their teams. Yeah. So, um, yeah. so what's the answer? I don't know. <laughs> we're not here for answers, are we? We're just, here for... we're just rambling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. I think, we're good. I think we should. Uh, it was good having Nige, Nige on last time. Yeah. I think we should. Uh, if anyone's interested in uh, buying us a beer. Yeah, basically, it's an excuse for us to get free drinks. If you're, uh, if you're willing to come along and share a pint with us, I'm going to suggest that you tweet. Uh, we, we have a, a Twitter account now, which is at the Agile Pubcast. It's getting very, very professional. It is. It's almost it on it's mainstream. We're mainstream. It's on iTunes now as well. You can uh, subscribe to this podcast, Pubcast, on uh, on iTunes. Or if you'd like to um, contact us directly with any suggestions about what you'd like us to talk about, or if you'd like to appear on this with us, uh, you can tweet us directly. So my um, Twitter handle is at Paul K. Goddard and Jeff's is Jeff C. Watts so you can contact us there um, hopefully we're going to have a little bit of less of a curse on, on this place oh yeah tell the story Jeff there's an interesting <laughs> story that the uh, one of the previous well our, abs our debut our first podcast was at the Tavern in, in Cheltenham. Cheltenham in Cheltenham and uh, we were looking for a, a place to come this time and uh, it turns out that few days ago the tavern caught fire so uh, hopefully that's nothing to do with us we're not a curse on those places <laughs> the uh, the staff of the pub are now turning around looking at us in fear and worry that they're we've somehow cursed their their establishment but i'm sure that won't happen again and likewise if, if anyone knows any good drinking places that we should frequent and uh, and do the run these things from then we're, we're all ears on that as well so but for now i think i think we're done okay so cheers jeff cheers mate to have a catchphrase in there, it's time gentlemen. That's, yes, the old British saying for, that's, that's time gentlemen please, last orders at the bar. We're done. <laughs>